Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 47 of the IT Career Energizer, a weekly podcast where I chat with inspiring IT professionals, consultants and experts from around the world. To find out more about the podcast, visit itcareerenergizer.com. And remember to subscribe to get new episodes automatically downloaded to your device. And now let's chat with today's featured guest, Chuck Wood. Chuck is a developer, podcaster, speaker, and the CEO of DevChat TV. He's host of several popular tech podcasts, including JavaScript Jabber and Ruby Rogues, as well as being an independent software consultant with a focus on Ruby, Ruby on Rails, jQuery, Prototype.js, and other web technologies. So Chuck, can I ask you to expand on that summary and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that... Uh has changed a little bit over the last little while is that I now uh, full-time do the podcasts. Ah, right. I, I haven't taken a contract in several months. Um, I also, so shows similar to this, I have a few that are focused mainly on different languages. So I have my Ruby story, my JavaScript story, and my Angular story. And I have been creating courses for developers at this point. So the course that I am currently producing is how to find a programming job and it walks you through the process of getting to know people finding the people you want doing uh, research on companies and identifying the kind of job you want so there's a lot going on there i've had a lot of people ask me questions about it and so i just kind of put all of my uh, general knowledge together and uh, you know with within a few months you should be able to find a job that you'll actually like i know a lot of people they find it easy to find a job, but not necessarily to find the job they like. And that's that's kind of the, the push for that. Yeah. Can you share maybe a unique career tip with the IT career energizer audience? Honestly, the, the big career tip that I would put out there uh, that you probably don't hear a whole lot, um, but is something that made me much, much happier was don't be afraid to strike out on your own. Yes. Um, so I went freelance what, eight, nine years ago now? And honestly, I was I was much happier doing that. I made better money doing that. Um, and a lot of people, they hear that and they're thinking, okay, so after I've been programming for, you know, umpteen zillion years, I can go out and I can freelance. And what I found is that if you can solve a problem for somebody and you can convince them that you can solve the problem, then you can go freelance today. Yep. And so... That that's the big career tip that I would put out there for people is, yeah, it sounds a little bit scary if you haven't done it before, but just go out there and try it. You and this is something you can try part time on your own time, uh, just just to figure out what's available and how it all works. So yeah, go find a contract and just just do it. And then if you're happier working your contract than your full time job, then find another one and quit. Um, but but seeing other people in the industry, they tend to be quite reluctant to take that step. Mm-hmm. Um, I sp- suppose it's having that safety net of working for a company and, and, and having that feeling of security. Is that something you find easy to overcome yourself? So that's part of it. 
Um, I think part of it, most of it is actually just what you don't know, right? And so you, you hear things about going out on your own and you think to yourself, that sounds scary because, yeah, you know, you have the quote unquote safety net of a company that's going to give you money. And what it really comes down to is if you have a skill that's in demand, then th there's a ton of upside and really not a whole lot of downside because if you can't find clients, then you just go back to what you were doing before. You go find a full-time job and that's your safety net. Um, so that's one way of thinking about it. But the other thing is, is usually people say something to the effect of, well, what if I don't find clients, right? What if I can't find clients? And really the trick is, is you have to find that thing that people really need done. So um, most of my career has been Ruby on Rails. And there are a number of large Ruby on Rails platforms out there that people need help building against. Uh, Redmine is one that a friend of mine worked in for a long time. I know a number of people who are consulting on Shopify and there's, there's a ton of work out there for people working, you know, on those platforms and others. Yeah. So if you are interested in going out on your own, find that skill, you know, maybe it's, you know, connecting up Stripe or it's, um, you know, building e-commerce or something like that. But if you have that level of expertise, you know, we'll build a chat app into your rails app or, you know, whatever it is, people will pay you to solve it. And you don't have to have 10 years of experience. You just have to show them that you know what you're doing and they'll hire you and they'll pay you a bunch of money to get it done because to them, they probably have 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, $100,000 upside on it. And so if they, you know, they can pay you a couple thousand or 5,000 or 10,000, you know, depending on the amount of upside, you'll make crazy money putting it together and they're going to be delighted because they're making 10 or 20 times what they paid you to get it done. And they didn't have to go through the hassle of pulling somebody off of something else that's, you know, internal to their company. So they don't have to take one of their internal developers and repurpose them, train them, have them figure it out, make a whole bunch of mistakes on their app, and then finally get it right. You're just going to come in, you're going to do it right. You're going to save them a ton of money. And, and then that's the way it works. And so it's, it's not scary. The trickiest part really is just finding that niche where you can actually go and capitalize. So Chuck, can you tell us the story of your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Oh, man. <laughs> so uh, just to give a little bit of history, um, I, I started out working in um, like actual IT. So I was a systems administrator. And then um, when I graduated from college, I was doing that for the university I attended. I went on to work uh, running a tech support department for a company that provided backup software for PCs and Macs. And I worked there for a couple of years and then did QA. And then I finally moved on and uh, picked up my first programming job. Um, it's, it's funny because between that first programming job and my second programming job, I probably have two worst it career moments and they both involved having a bad boss. <laughs> right. Um, the, the one that I'm probably going to talk most about was that second IT job. And really, the, the, worst or the, the worst part of that was when I quit. So the day I quit, I, I showed up at the office. Um, I had a job offer in hand. I called my boss on the phone because he hadn't actually showed up at work, which he actually did often, right? And so I called him up and I said, hey, man, I need to talk to you. I'd, I'd like to talk to you in person. Um, 
is, you know, are, are you going to be in soon? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll be in within the next half hour. Well, about two hours later, this is about 11 a.m., I called him back and I'm like, uh, I really need to talk to you. Are you coming in? Well, no, I thought I might go golfing this afternoon. And I, I said, well, um, then then I guess I'm just going to have to do this over the phone. Um, I found another job. They want me to start Monday. So I'm quitting. So he rushed into the office and um, he, you know, anyway, I, I also said, look, you know, I, I've, got, I've built relationships with these folks here. I'd like to be able to tell him that I'm leaving and say goodbye before the end of the day. So he rushes in. He also told me I could tell everybody that I was, you know, leaving the company. And um, so he comes in and we sit down to talk and he starts grilling me over where I'm going because um, in the corporate paperwork, there was a non-compete agreement. And so I, I couldn't go work for a competitor of theirs. And this had come up in another instance where myself and a few of my coworkers, we were looking at building uh, another system um, that was completely unrelated to what we did at work, but we were going to actually start a company together on the side. And he kiboshed that and basically said, well, we did that once upon a time. And so it's in violation of your non-compete because we still own the brand. Yes. Even though they hadn't done anything with it in, in like three or four years. So, you know, this kind of gives you an idea of, you know, this boss. Um, so anyway, so he sits me down and he grills me about where I'm going. And um, after the first 15, 20 minutes, um, I, w I was just, I was done talking about it. And so I, <laughs> this is a little bit petty. I probably shouldn't admit to this publicly, but I refused to tell him where I was going. Um, <laughs> and, and it wasn't a competitive, it wasn't a competitor. But at that point, he had just... I mean, he, he chewed me out for 20 minutes and then asked me where I was going. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not playing ball here anymore. And, uh, you know, he told me we've spent millions of dollars on the project that you're working on. And, um, you know, how dare you leave? And anyway, so, um, after getting essentially yelled at for two hours, I walked back out, uh, wrapped things up with my team um, you know, let the handful of people that I hadn't talked to before I talked to him, let know that I was leaving and then, uh, you know, packed up my stuff. And, and the thing that I find is that I connect most with the people in the jobs that I have and not necessarily the technologies or the apps. And so for me, that's why that reflects to me as my worst career moment is because it was this, you know, it was this horrendous experience with somebody that I started out admiring. Yeah. So the relationship had broken down. The, the, the relationship was very much one-sided to begin with, I think. Can you take us maybe to your career highlight and greatest success and tell us about that? So it's interesting just to give a little bit more context. Um, so I worked for that. I worked for each of the companies I worked for full-time as an employee for about a year each, except for my last one. I worked for them for about six months, and then I went freelance uh, back in 2006. Was it 2006? No, it was 2010. Um, so I went freelance in 2010, and uh, we started Ruby Rogues in 2011. And that's really when things hit. I think that the high point for me in all of that was um, Ruby Rogues was invited out to um, Lone Star Ruby Conference, which is in Austin, Texas. And as part of the deal, we were at the conference for three days and then we rented a, a house like on Airbnb or VRBO for another three days. And we were going to write a book. 
and we just did a retreat. We got together and, and I'll tell you, that was, that was really just one of the best things. Um, just being together with those folks, um, talking about this project we were going to work on. Uh, we were having uh, immense success with the podcast. We, we had thousands of subscribers at that point, probably the biggest Ruby podcast out there at the time. And, um, you know, just, just having that connection with the community and with the people that I was working with on the podcast. And we did a call with Kent Beck to talk about the structure of the book and, uh, you know, just, you know, just having that, that experience with people that I really admired and cared about, um, was, was really tremendous for me. And also realizing that there was nothing special about what we did. We just did our thing and we did it together and, and realizing that that brought success and that there was nothing special about any one of us. Um, it was just that, you know, we, we did something that other people identified with and that that was special in and of itself. And then we could share that. It's often the case, isn't it? That it's, it's what you enjoy and what you feel other people will try to think of the right word. It's what they feel is common, if you like, between you and them that actually builds that relationship. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Well, the other thing that I kept hearing from people, and it was funny because Ruby Rogues, uh, a good chunk of the listenership didn't do Ruby, but they they felt like they were part of the Rogues. They felt like they were part of the panel, even though they weren't there. Like they couldn't chime in because we had already recorded it, edited it, and put it out. But it, it was that kind of a thing. It's like, this is the kind of conversation that I have when I go to conferences or this is this is the kind of conversation that I have when I, you know, talk to conference speakers, or I feel like um, when I'm talking to really intelligent people, this is the kind of thing that comes out of it. And so they felt like they were a part of it, and they felt like it was the kind of thing that they wish they could have more often on a weekly basis. Can you tell us what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? So... One of the things that is really interesting about working in IT, and I've been working in IT since probably 2003. Um, my, you know, my first IT job, I was working in a data center at, at Brigham Young University. And, you know, so we would just watch the network go down and fix it, right, kind of thing. Or, you know, we, we would see something come up on one of the servers and we go check it out. Um, and, you know, and then from there, you know, into... Uh, being on the team that had the systems administrators on it, working with VMware and, um, you know, all the way up to today, you know, where we're writing apps for the web and we see, um, we see things to the point now where you can write an, an, an application for the web basically by writing an HTML page that has a body tag and then loading Angular or React or something like that and doing everything else in front end JavaScript. Um, you know, and you can load those on your phone. You can put that into an app and load it on your phone. Um, and then you've got your phone that connects to everything out there. Um, and yeah, granted, a lot of that's really clunky, right? You know, you, you go on your phone and you hit the button to turn on the light in the room you're in through Bluetooth and it takes it a second or two, right? And that, that's kind of clunky. You know, you want it to turn on when you hit the button, but you know, what happens when all of this kind of comes together, right? So what happens when we see things like uh, augmented reality tie into the sensors in our house and then um, all of the sensors in our house give enough information to actually 
um, you know, predictively take care of certain things for us so we don't even have to think about it. I mean, can you imagine not ever having to touch your thermostat again? Or can you imagine, um, you know, looking around the room and realizing that, uh, you know, you can interact with, you know, any number of devices simply by mostly thinking about it? Um, I mean, we see all of these things that are, you know, and basically I see it as kind of emerging of like augmented reality, uh, big data and machine learning, artificial intelligence yes, and IOT. And as all of that comes to a head and you plug it all together, it, you, you basically can create your own life experience in any way you want. And, you know, we get to pioneer that and that's really cool. Um, you know, also just the capabilities for uh, data storage and data communication as those become better. I mean, are, are we even going to have data centers in 10 or 20 years? Or is all that information just going to be in the cloud and the cloud is what everybody's carrying around in their pockets? There, there are so many possibilities and it's really interesting to see just where we're going with a lot of it. And so uh, being in IT, you know, whether you're doing something that seems rather mundane or whether you're out there writing the next big app for the iPhone, um, you're contributing to it. And um, it's all going to change. It, it, it changes so quickly and it's changing more and more quickly. And that's so exciting to me uh, just to see what all these capabilities are. Um, I'm heading to CES uh, next month and just to see what people are putting out there and you know, the, anyway, there are so many things that people just come up with and pull together and, and that changes everything. Um, you know, we, we carry, we walk around with sensors on our wrists that tell our, our heart rate and, you know, how, how long before it's telling things like body temperature and, um, you know, all of these other things and then starts telling you, um, you have a cold, <laughs> you know, go rest. Or, I mean, there, there are just so many possibilities with this stuff. You know, how long before... Um, you know, a, di- a type t- type one diabetic with the sensors on their arm and a little bit of input from somebody who's an expert, uh, they don't have to give themselves shots anymore, right? They they have the pump on their hip, and the pump is practically invisible, and it just automatically gives them the right amount of insulin for whatever they ate. It's it's kind of exciting, you know, just just how far this can go. We're going to move into the reveal round now. Are you ready for this? Yeah, go for it. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Um, so I'm going to give real short answer, but uh, my grandfather was an inventor and, uh, you know, he, he was an engineer. He was a chemical engineer, but uh, the thing that he did, among other things, is he actually created a machine that uh, found residue on the inside of the solid rocket boosters for the space shuttle. And, uh, you know, identified those things that needed to be cleaned up because if the fuel didn't adhere to the sides of the solid rocket booster, um, it could conceivably cause an explosion. And so he he solved that uh, working for Rockwell International during his career. And then as I grew up, he was always tinkering and inventing different things with computers. Um, when I was a teenager, he invented an, uh, a small ellipsometer, which actually reads the silo- uh, the oxygen layer on a silicon disk and, uh, you know, would tell you how thick it was and how even it was and things like that. So you could you could essentially verify the entire batch. But it was that kind of thing. It's like, oh, wow, you know, this this is stuff that everybody uses. I mean, we have silicon in everything. And, and that's that's kind of what got me started. What is the best career advice you've ever received? 
Um, honestly, I think the best career advice I've ever received was uh, just to, to, to get out there. And I'm not saying like get out there like I do with the podcast, but mostly just go out to events. So yep. go out to the users groups, go out to the conferences, go out to those kinds of things. Um, between the things that I learned at those things and the people that I met, um, I wouldn't have a career without it. Yeah, that sort of two-pronged approach of continued learning, but also networking. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And networking sounds a little bit trite. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you really do want to build relationships with people. Um, the last handful of jobs, a number of the contracts I've gotten over the course of my career, I got them because I actually knew people. And it wasn't, oh, I had talked to them at the conference. It was because I had actually sat down and got to know them as a person. They got to know me as a person. And then they could heartily recommend me because we trusted each other. Yeah. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? Mm, that's a tricky one. Um, I mean, if I could just start anywhere, I would probably go for machine learning at this point. Um, it, it's a growing field. It's really exciting. I mean, I, I, I think you need some expertise in other areas to get in. So like an absolute IT beginner probably can't just jump right in. You know, you have to have some programming skills or some statistical skills or something, right, to be to be there. But, you know, if, if I had the prerequisite um, uh, expertise, I, I think that's where I'd go at this point. What career objectives are you focusing on right now? <laughs> so I, I get to be the weirdo. You know, if you're talking to a bunch of people who are in full-time IT career jobs, you know, I'm, I'm obviously doing different things. So my career object objectives at this point are growing the podcast network, um, which really boils down to um, doing more content and reaching more people and providing better content because it's not just about getting more listeners. It, it really is about helping people uh, level up their careers and their lives. Um, and then uh, the other thing that I'm working on is making things easier for podcasters. So I'm working on a software as a service application that will help podcasters manage their uh, content delivery and sponsorships. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, honestly, I, I think the number one non-technical skill that has helped me most in my career is the ability to listen and then provide uh, consistent and solid feedback. So, um, you know, it's not just enough to be smart enough to tell people what to do, but you really have to be able to listen to them and understand people and get to the heart of the issue and then give them the advice that really pays off. And I found that as I've done that over the course of my career, that's something that has permitted me to help a lot of people uh, get ahead. And it takes practice to be able to do that, but it, it really, really pays off. Um, and if you want uh, just a tip on that, um, I highly, highly, highly recommend going to Toastmasters. Yes. Um, and you think, oh, well, that's public speaking. That's just one half of the equation. But it's also evaluation and feedback and, and all of those things kind of tie together. And so you will learn to listen and you will learn to be constructive in your feedback. And that just pays off in, in, in many, many ways. Chuck, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? Um, honestly, the, the big thing, the thing that has probably paid off the most for me is just be yourself. 
And, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are saying, you know, things about the community, whether it's, you know, you can't be yourself if you're some kind of minority. Um, I've also heard things like um, basically that, uh, you know, you, you have to be professional and that means that you have to, you know, suppress parts of your personality. But unless you're just a raging jerk, uh, being yourself is honestly the thing that is going to make your career the most rewarding. Um, because then people will see you for who you are, they'll accept you for who you are, and you can then find a place where you fit in because of who you are and not because of necessarily what you can do or what people expect of you. And yeah, then all those things line up because you're being consistent with, with who you are and what you care about. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and potentially connect with you? So currently, the probably the best way to connect with me is if you go on LinkedIn, that works pretty well. I accept pretty much every LinkedIn request I get. Uh, you can go to devchat.tv and listen to the podcasts. Uh, you, you're welcome to email me if you have a question or just want to connect, chuck at devchat.tv. And finally, the last one, which is kind of unconventional, but uh, any listeners of this podcast are welcome to take me up on it. Um, if you want to talk for 15 minutes about whatever you want, uh, you can just go to devchat.tv slash 15 minutes. That's one five minutes. It will take you to a schedule once link where you can claim 15 minutes on my schedule. We'll hop on Skype. We'll have a conversation, uh, talk about whatever it is you want. I'm happy to answer questions, give advice, um, or just chat about whatever. Great. Chuck, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. My thanks go to Chuck for being my guest on today's show. Full show notes can be found at itcareerenergizer.com slash e47. In the next episode, I'll be talking with Troy Hunt, who is an information security author and instructor at Pluralsight based out of Queensland, Australia. You can get this and future episodes automatically downloaded and available to play by simply subscribing to the podcast in iTunes or whichever streaming service you're using to listen. Have a great week. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.